Hi everyone and welcome back to the Gentleman's Talk. I'm here, I'm your host, James Dean Littlejohn, and I'm here to talk to you about mental health. Men's mental health, specifically. Some of my things will cross over. There may be somebody you know that's not a man that's experiencing these things, and we're not in this... I do see a lot on social media, this whole thing between men and women like men do this better than women and men fake this and I said a little bit in my last podcast about faking it and it being compared to what we always think the women say about orgasms etc etc and it isn't like that we all have this crossover this transition the reason I sort of banged my drum if you like with mental health is because men don't talk men bottle things up we think that we're stronger than we actually are we get to the point where we become unfortunately one of these difficult crap statistics where men commit suicide and in my last podcast where I've completed my cheeky three-parter on uh, mental health and and my darkest hour really just to raise awareness that men go through this and they go through this in a serious way and I touched on a little bit last time uh, on my last podcast where I mentioned how men put on the mask they put on this facade they wear this mask every day that they they no matter what they still try and protect they still try and serve they still try and look ambitious Yes, you get the inherent some ones that don't have the personality to carry on with that drive. I can't speak for them. However, most men will battle, will carry on doing what they should be doing, what society tells us that we should be doing. We should be supporting, protecting, DIY, uh, manual labour, heavy lifting, all these big things you associate with, with men, builders. I know we're seeing a, a cross at the moment in terms of women getting into predominantly male-orientated organisations and trades, which is absolutely refreshing to see. But I do see on the flip side of that a few people realising that that is, or a few women saying that actually it's quite difficult to do what men do in certain circumstances. And rightly so, I know this is going to sound again like I'm constantly battling between the two, but I have to caveat that there is things that women do better than men. And one of those things is talk openly, be open and honest engage with their friends when they're feeling shit their friends gear in and absolutely engage with their friend when they see their friend low they'll go around with ice cream flowers take them out on a night out just make them feel special what do we do as men we bottle this up we go out, we potentially get into a fight, um, we cause an argument, we get blind drunk and act like a complete dick, we take drugs, I'm not saying me personally, but men do, I'm not saying it's just men either, <laughs> there is women out there, but men, we self-sabotage, we destruct ourselves, we do all the things we know we shouldn't do, to battle we don't do the healthy things we don't engage with our friends we don't then get our friends kicking into gear and going let's go out for a night out or let's pop around and have a movie night and a chat 
we don't do that. We just do not do that. And when I touched on the the fact that we wear this mask, the fact that we carry on regardless, it's incredible how resilient men can become against the debilitating, crushing, life, soul-destroying fact that mental health, when you fully lose control, does to you. It's amazing how much strength and willpower that men have. And this is why we're so high on the statistics compared to women, because we get to the point where there is no choice. We've done everything physically possible in our armour, in our toolbox, in our weapon systems. We've done everything we can to fight this. The last thing we're going to do is admit defeat to anybody. So we say, I'd rather not be here than tell someone I'm weak. That's what we do as men. That's what we inherently do. We don't break down. We don't show our emotions because it's a sign of weakness. We're in a world where you need to be brutally strong. I mean, Christ, if you're listening to this, you've probably heard of Andrew Tate. And I absolutely... He does come up with some really, really key points and absolutely commend him. Um, I think it's a very shallowed and skewed way of looking at it, though, because to say that men don't suffer depression, we just suffer sadness, is absolutely incredibly bizarre, because we do. And you're f you're almost met with that as a man battling another man, telling you you're fucking weak, being filled over social media, saying if you have this, you're weak. And then you've got little old me sat here going, I don't think I'm weak. This crushed me. This did this to me. I made incredibly stupid decisions. It's easy for him to say he has a world of wealth. He can hide from his battles. Unfortunately for a man at our level, most of our problems will come with finances or, I don't know, ambition through your rank structure or your promotion prospects because you're fighting to get more money to do more things in life, to provide more for your family, to offer them more protection, to show them that you're more manly. These are what we do in the real world. I, I like to say it's okay to like and, and wish to be like that. It's, it's okay to wish to be like Andrew Tate and believe that depression doesn't hit us. But unfortunately, the reality on my side of things is it does happen. And it does happen for a lot of his supporters. And it does happen to a lot of men. Um, and how many times have we turned around and said... I would never have known. This is one of the things that I got from my own parents was, there's no way, James, you're depressed. You're making this up. This isn't you. You're, you can't be depressed. How many times have I heard that through my years of depression and fighting it? How many times have I heard that when I've been in the depths of my depression? Have I said... I feel a bit sad today. No, not you, mate. You're fucking bubbly. You're James. You're rock, you're rock hard, mate. You you do all sorts of stupid shit. You're always up for a fucking laugh. Because we have the ability to put on a mask. 
It's only when you physically get to know that person who's suffering, you dive under the armour, do you absolutely understand who that person really is and you understand he is fighting he is battling he doesn't know what to do and like I said we'll get to a point where we think as a man our only choice out of this instead of crying instead of letting things go or instead of speaking out and absolutely looking for some sort of advice in this world of social interaction that we currently supposedly have you choose to be a statistic of suicide that is how stupid and simple the male mind is it's very complex on one aspect but very stupid on the others it's almost like we still have this neanderthal aspect to our brain where we still want to punch walls and go out and fight and provide and just hunt you know we still have this ability and if we can't do that then we failed we'll take a look at you know go back to the roman times and it was i'll take an honorable death it's almost like you think you're doing that we still have this stupid little notion in our head that instead of reaching out in the real world and sharing our problems a problem shared is a problem halved Instead of doing that and engaging with the right people and doing all these things I chew on about in, in mental health and well-being, instead of doing those things and just actually enjoying life, we don't. We hold on to it so much that our only choice is to die an honourable death, or so we seem we are doing so. And how many times have you been told you're sort of chatting away and you're saying, Oh, no, I, could, I couldn't picture you with anxiety. How many times have people around me said, James, you don't get anxiety. You're fucking fun. You'll talk to anyone. Yeah, rightly, I will. I will talk to anybody. I will have a laugh with mostly anybody. If I think you're a dick, then with age, I am getting to the point where I think you're a dick. I'll tell you, you're a dick or I'll just move away from you. It's as simple as that. I'm not in this, I'm not in this for the long game in the sense that I don't have very long to play such a long game. So I just want to enjoy my life with the right people. The people that want to be with me for who I am. If you don't want to be with me for who I am, then move aside. I'm, 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 I'm plenty, I'm very comfortable in my own skin now after years of being alone and living in the darkness, I now have the ability to enjoy my own company because I get to utilize it in the right way because I'm adopting these new principles, these new techniques in my life, such as reflection and music and meditation and education. And there's a lot of shuns in there, isn't there? So, <laughs> you know, it's because I'm doing the right things, I'm comfortable in my own shell. I like sociability, but I'm getting to the point where I like sociability with the right people. But how many times have you heard that? No, he doesn't get sad. Oh, Dave doesn't get sad. Fuck off. Dave's a legend. Does he? What does he do every week? Gets fucking trolley drunk. Blind drunk. Monday, you know, <laughs> sorry, Friday to Monday. Is he having a good time or is he hiding the reality that he's battling something and we think he's being a good fucking laugh? I did that for years, just got pissed up, acted like a fucking moron, became the centre of attention. I was fun. I felt the serotonin for years because everyone thought I was amazing because I was doing stupid shit, bordering on, 
you know, getting in trouble, basically. And it was just, it was always teetering. I was always very professional, so I had to be conscious of that. But I would teeter on the edge of stupidity. So it's how many times do people do that? Fighting depression is difficult. You not only have to fight the illness, but you also have to fight the stigma as a man. And that's that stigma I was just talking about. We all think there's a problem. Oh, no fucking hell, mate, you're a bit weak. Actually, am I? I'm engaging more with other people now. I, I, I certainly, um, I, I engage on a more personal level with the right people. I, I, I voice message now. I actually hate typing. I prefer to voice message. Um, because, number one, I get a lot more out. Also, I show a lot more emotion. And I find that that's way of engaging better because you get more of a personal touch. You actually listen to my voice and how I feel. It's almost like we've gone to not making calls. We used to make calls when mobile phones first came out all the time. It was ring, ring, ring. Then text messages came about and it was a really easy way to text message the shit out of everybody. But at the same time, not physically be there so you could automatically chin people off without having direct contact. And that's almost led us to an antisocial nation. It's almost like when people ring me now, I go, fuck off, what are you ringing me for, mate? Like, you weird. You fucking, you're tripping out. So what I do now is instead of having that ability, and I don't like talking on the phone, you almost feel like I am constrained at the time and I have to pay full attention. Um, it's, a, it's a weird one. Um, I know a lot more people feel it now that I talk openly about it and my feelings with regards to that, that people sometimes go, no, I don't really, some people don't even feel comfortable with the whole voice message thing at the moment. And I've just sort of grasped hold of that really. Um, some people still go, you know, I send it to one of my mates, I send voice messages and he's like, he laughs his ass off all the time. He's like, fucking hell, brilliant. But he'll type to me, brilliant. It's almost like he doesn't feel comfortable with the voice message thing. I'm just almost like, I'm done with text messages now. I'd rather you really know my emotions on how I feel. And if I laugh, rather than typing ha-ha, I'll laugh because I actually found it funny. Um, so you're fighting the stigma. And for men, it's that, just that fear of looking weak, unmanly. And it sort of adds to the strain, the anger, the shame. These are all negative words that surround depression with men and we all have that as men this self-protection we we don't want to seem weak we all walk around with i spoke about a mask i spoke about armor all men walk around with that armor on um i can relate it quite easily because i've worked alongside a lot of military men now for a military man to show emotion is unheard of it's it's rare as rocking horse shit it's which is why unfortunately the statistics for military men is more damning because they get the access to weapons that we wouldn't do in normal everyday life <clears throat> and i know for a fact that my brother has lost a friend a very young friend when he first joined up someone he knew to suicide because of the pressures and the constraints that he was going through with mental health and rather than talk openly because he was in the military and he wanted to seem manly rather than seem weak he just took the worst way out the easiest option for him but the most impact for everybody and that's what men do we get to the point where that's not our decision anymore we've made it for us we don't care about the repercussions we don't care about i certainly didn't I certainly did not care. It never even crossed my mind. I know that someone on the estate, they committed suicide um, with a jumper 
in a play park. Now, he'd been calling out for a while. And when I read about it, and then when I learned who he was, and he was an ex-soldier that had had PTSD that wouldn't talk out about it, didn't get the help he wanted, or needed, not wanted, needed, didn't get that help. And he went and sat in the play park, and the note that was left behind was... I just want to be a child again. And I can relate to that because you don't want the pressures of being an adult. When you get to the point where you don't want to be here anymore, you get to that sadness, that bulk area. You don't care about who you leave behind. You don't care about where you're <clears throat> finishing and ending your life. You just want to stop the pain. And this is the pain that I battle with. You, it's, It scars you. When you've had mental health illness, I don't care what anyone says, it scars you, it scares you to go back into it, you don't want to go back into it, but when you do feel you start going back in to a, an area of sadness, it almost impacts you instantly, rather than a build-up, because you you know what's coming, you're like, fuck, so you chuck yourself into it deeper to try and get over it faster, but that has more of an impact, and that's because you've left scars, and these scars are channels where these thoughts just echo through it's just absolutely mind-boggling at how quickly you can trigger yourself into a sadness episode <clears throat> and it doesn't help that we wrap around the words things like anger shame how many men do you know that are angry and they may have underlying mental health conditions if you're a man that's experienced any sort of depression, you are not alone. You are not alone. And that's one of the biggest things. Here I am proving to you you're not alone because by listening to me, I'm with you. I'm with you wherever you are. I want you to know that you're just, I may just be another voice, but I'm going through these things. I've gone through these things. I've been to the depths of the, the bottomless pit and not wanted to get back up. And I've scrambled and I've ripped fingernails off getting back out of that pit. And I've done it alone. I'm not ashamed to say I've done it alone. <clears throat> but I've done it alone. Now, I don't look at that as a negative. I look at that as a positive. Because I've been able to show the pure strength and pure resilience I have for letting mental health into my mind and pushing it back out. And now using it as a strength. And that's why we need to be open and honest. Nearly one in ten men say that they feel some sort of depression or anxiety every single day. Every single day. And almost one in three have gone through some sort of period of a major depression at a point in their life. That's one in three people have gone through a major depression at some point in their life some people are prone i know i am prone to feeling emotional the ptsd has rewired my brain to take on difficult situations negatively i get very emotional but i don't express emotions so i bottle my emotions up it comes out in anger 
that anger then transpires into a world of negativity because it doesn't come with a small force of anger. It comes with everything because I'm still harboring on to the negative thoughts and the negative place that has scarred me in my brain through depression. So because I still have that, it's worse because when I come up, I go, you're the person that's made me upset. You're the person that's made me angry. I'm going to give you the full force of 14 years of my struggles because you will not give me a fucking chance. You will not treat me as with the respect that I deserve. <clears throat> Finding help for depression, unfortunately, is difficult, but it is bloody crucial because... As I've said to you so many times, depression is one of the leading causes of suicide. Three and a half times more often do men commit suicide than women. And that's not saying it's a statistic to go look at me, because that is not a statistic that any gender wants. And it's always the highest factors are middle-aged white men. That is the facts. They are facts. Let me take a sip of my... Oh, I've got tea tonight. I've gone for the full-on tea thing. <laughs> oh, that was lovely. That was nice. Just uh, gone for the less gassy approach. <clears throat> and I've spoken openly, massively, and in depth about the types of depression. These are all... I know they're difficult subjects. I know they are. And I know that sometimes they can be triggers. But they're educational. They're there to tell you what to look for. It's not a nice subject. Nothing fits around mental health is positive. And until recently, I believed that. And now I'm trying to change that mindset myself. Because I want to prove that by getting hold of things and gripping yourself and talking openly, engaging with similar people, looking through your friendship networks... All of these absolutely phenomenal things will all help you. You will be surrounded then by the people that love you and really want to spend time with you. You will actively get involved in giving less time or less percentage of time to the people that don't care. I spoke about that heavily in part three of the last episode. Percentage is a key. What you give is what you get back. If you're not getting back or receiving, so if you're not getting back what you give, you adjust yourself. It's as simple as that. Then you start learning who your true friends are. If you start giving less and it's noticeable, but you're giving the same as the other person, then watch them. Either they'll grow to notice it and say, oh, maybe I'm not engaging enough, or maybe they won't, and that's just the friendship will fizzle out. I've lost many, many friends. Not through negativity I've lost friends through negativity absolutely I've lost friends through um, you know pushing people away um, but what I have lost is I've lost friends when I started to give the same amount that they gave me when they started giving me I've got a recent friend actually that I've engaged with the last four times and he's never instigated the conversation even though you know we were quite good friends um, and ultimately I've stopped, I've just gone, no, I'm not doing it anymore, and that's dwindled, and it's, it's, it's key when you understand, when you start looking after your well-being, and you start doing what other people are doing to you, just watch, 
The true people will stick around and make the effort and acknowledge that maybe they've let the side down. But the people that weren't meant to be there will fizzle out. They will become a chapter in your life. I actually got um, a friend request actually on my social media uh, from someone that I didn't haven't spoke to for almost a year and removed him from my Facebook a year ago because I was doing a lot of the effort and making a lot of the effort and um, I was just like I'm, I'm not really interested we don't engage with each other I said I was focusing on my friendship group and he re-engaged with me and I thought well I'll, yeah okay we'll see if he says anything and uh, he didn't he didn't say anything he literally just re-engaged and but he did like one of my photos so I assume he is you know thinking about it but again I'm waiting waiting for him to open up the dialect because I'd made the effort so many times previously that I was like I'm not doing that. I'm not going to keep doing that um, I know my worth that is the key statement there isn't it and going back to before I digress massively there um, it's understanding the hidden depression that's the that's the key part Many people recognise the signs of depression. I've spoken about them through sadness, hopelessness, how many times you had lack of appetite, sleep trouble. You may have even not had a lack of appetite. You might actually be binge eating. There's another element of it that doesn't have to revolve around that. And that happens in both men and women. And while depression symptoms are quite common for both of men and women, unfortunately... There's been studies and there's been statistics. Again, I love that word statistics. I can't even say it. Probably sounds like I'm saying it wrong. Statistics. <laughs> that men seem to hold on to hidden depression signs. And, and they are really, really key points. And I, the reason I'm going to mention these is not, again, because showing what, you know, the difference between men and women. But when, you, when I cast my mind back to, you know, just a minute ago and I was saying there's signs of depression such as sadness, hopelessness, lack of appetite, overeating, sleep troubles, anger, sadness, crying. These are all emotions that are shared equally amongst genders. They're, they're, they're absolutely shared. However, when I talk about the hidden ones, and this is the aspect that I want to really key focus on. When I talk about the hidden ones, these aren't displayed by women because I've already spoken and I say all the time that women talk openly. They're in touch with their feelings. And that sounds a bit <clears throat> emasculine when you say it, doesn't it? Hold on two seconds, please. Why just sip my tea? And <clears throat> I've got something stuck in my throat. It was really nice. It was green tea. Anyway. <laughs> um, but we have these we have these hidden meanings these hidden aspects that men are really good at and that's such things like and i'm going to list these because i've written them down because they're so relatable escapist behavior spending a lot of time at work or on a sport how many times have men done that how many times have men spent hours at work i did i lived at work i physically lived at work excuse me how many times have men done sports? More and more sports. More and more sports that take you away from home. How many times do men do that? It's an escapism. It's escapist behaviour. Normally you would have a skill, a, chore, a, 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 a you know something you enjoy, a hobby, and you'll get good at it and you'll carry on enjoying it. Men tend to harbour onto multiple different hobbies to take them out of their 
these horrible places rather than dealing with the pain they will just go and fill themselves with these different hobbies because it involves lots of other things that are incorporated with mental health such as overspending buying all the kit for all of these different these different hobbies i've done it to all of my hobbies i've bought all of the top stuff thinking yay i'm going to be absolute pro straight away rather than just focusing on it and doing something and enjoying something for a long period of time and creating a network around that that group and then expanding it and then turning it into friendships we just go i'm going to do loads of things to fill my time that's an escapist behavior how many times do we spend too much time at work <clears throat> it's an escapist behavior alcohol or drug abuse i've spoke about this men are god awful at both we turn to the bottle and it debilitates you it ruins you it takes you away it you add weight you're tired you're angry it is it's a depressant in itself so when you're having your antidepressants if you're on a medication you're undoing all of that hard work by having a drink if you don't manage that it's going to get worse drug abuse well there's going to be a come down from that you're going to get crazy you're going to go crazy because you're not going to be managing you're going to be up and down like a roller coaster it's going to be like extreme bipolar controlling violent or abusive behavior all of us have done that if you've ever been stressed men turn to violence we turn to anger we turn to abusive behavior how many relationships are geared around men that haven't dealt with their mental health and are abusive how many times and i spoke about this at the start of the podcast do we go out we get absolutely blind drunk and then we fall and stumble into somebody that's done exactly the same as you got absolutely blind drunk hiding himself away from his feelings hiding himself away from his natural stresses or whatever is making him sad <clears throat> turns to the bottle they clash that's the clash of the titans people get mis mixed up on that how many times have you seen a fight break into a brawl because there's loads of men with problems drinking going in it's what we do it's what men do they just sabotage themselves inappropriate or irritability i can't say the word irritability in anger how many times have you been sat there and somebody can just be i know we all have our little things people chewing biscuits people eating crisps etc etc but how many times have you been sat there at work and somebody just does something that really annoys you you're not angry at them but you're angry at them because they're doing something that is irritating you you're irritated because you haven't slept properly you haven't slept properly because you haven't done any exercise you haven't eaten healthy you're running on caffeine you're not running on fresh clean water you've got these things racing through your mind you're taking on too many challenges you've got those three or four hobbies that are taking you out but you're doing too much because now you're worried about this, this and this. You're brain overloading and you're getting irritable, angry. You outburst. How many times have you seen men just grab all the computers and smash them up? Or they fucking go out like big arguments. And this one that's <sighs> resonates with me because it's where I go to. Risky behaviour, such as reckless driving. I had to get rid of my motorbike because... 
I couldn't ride anymore physically because of my back, but mentally I wasn't comfortable with where I'd take it, where it had taken me. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't a fun thing to do. And how many times do we take those risks as men to try and scare ourselves, to release the serotonin, to build our testosterone levels, which have been massively reduced because we've got sadness, because we've got depression, anxiety, mental health problems. We've lost our sex drive. That's the fundamental basics of a man. I don't care what anybody in any generation says. Men are designed to procreate. That is what we are designed to do. When you take away that, that's the true emasculation. You've, you've stopped producing sperm. You've stopped producing semen. Not physically stopped producing sperm because you, you, you shouldn't have, but you're low. That you're going to stress yourself out. It causes turmoil on your testosterone and your body. You will hold and retain fat in your belly because that's where we'll hold it in your chins. You'll then feel bad about yourself. You'll then carry on getting into that rut of life. You're then not having a good, a good relationship because you have no sex drive because you're sad and brings you into that. Then you feel even more emasculated. Then your partner thinks you don't, you're not interested, but in actual fact you are. But you're, again, you're not talking about this. You're not opening up. You're not telling them that you aren't interested or telling them that you're struggling so that they can step up to the plate and make things a little bit more fun for you both. Try that a little bit harder for both of you, providing it's reciprocated. You have to make sure that you engage fully. Talk about these things step by step. That brings up back into it brings us back into the room. And some of those, I was just talking about those symptoms, they may all overlap. And that's the problem. We don't know when they come, we don't know when they go. We don't know how they manifest. But one of the biggest things we can do is fight this. We can look after ourselves. <clears throat> We can look out for the signs and symptoms in our friends. We can look out for those parts where we acknowledge that they're not themselves. They're out of character. Are they taking a bit of extra time off work? Are they taking off more than you could ch you could challenge but think, well, actually, even that, I know them. That's too much for them. Are you engaging properly with your friends? Is it a two-way thing? Are you listening as well as talking? Are you supporting? Are you are you having and spending time with the right people? Are you engaging with... These are all massively good questions in your mental health. Are you engaging with your partner? Are you taking on too many pressures? Have you got a plan about your future? These are all key things we need to look for when we're dealing with our mental health. So you don't turn around and say, nah, fucking Dave that's not Dave he won't have he wouldn't have that nah Dave didn't do that over depression nah why he will he won't he will have that's the problem we get to the point where we we no longer we are we are in that corner and it's fight or flight and unfortunately the flight aspect is the one that normally goes we we just go run away from it all we don't fight it because you know why? Because we fought it for so long. We've done all of the fighting we can do. We've put ourselves under so much pressure. We've either not been recognised or we haven't spoken loud enough. And 
I guarantee it will be the latter. You won't have just speak spoken at loud enough. When you speak loud enough, when you have a focus, when you're true to yourself, when you do the right things, you don't need millions of friends. You don't need hundreds of friends. I don't do this to want hundreds of people to like me. I want this to help hundreds of people. I want to be able to come along for the journey. I want to learn from people. I want to support people. I want them to understand that it's okay to be sad. Just make sure that we kick in all these little things that help us through the sadness. Focus on the right things in life. Focus on adventure. Focus on making memories, enjoying the journey, not sitting there and watching it disappear and ultimately evaporate from us, in front of us. We get a short chance on this life, guys. We need to work together to make it better. That's what we need to do. Engage fully with life and appreciate it as much as we can. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there because uh, <laughs> I'm absolutely shattered. Um, do you know what? I, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um, I, I hope you're all enjoying the podcasts so far. I've not really spoke much I don't, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, to people. So I don't really know how it's, um, how it's going out there. But I hope it's going okay. Um, I really hope I'm offering some some reassurance that it's that, that it, there is some bright sides to it. Yes, we will face these challenges, and we've all got these different challenges that we're all facing, um, and it can be severe things. But nothing is worth nothing's worth being a statistic over. That's the easiest way of saying it. Reach out to the right people. Um, don't turn to those negative things such as alcohol, drugs, binge eating. Don't turn to those things. Turn to the positives. Do it in small steps so it's enjoyable. Remember what I say to you all the time. Three months of doing something continuously is when it will become a learned habit. Now, you will know this because you will all potentially have a learned habit that's a negative one. Every Friday I have a fucking kebab. Whatever. You know, every Friday and Saturday I drink. Every Thursday, Friday and Saturday I have a gin. You you will do that and that's your body will tell you, oh, well, fancy a gin, it's Thursday. Because you've given yourself a learned habit. So don't do it just for the negatives. Turn it to the positives by adding reflection, meditation, yoga, pilates, music, uh, reflection time, walking, whatever you want to do. Do something positive and make it a learned habit. It will give you enough to slowly chip away at the negatives and keep adding those positives. Absolutely keep adding those positives. They're the ones that are going to make you want to succeed. They're the ones that are going to give you hope. There is lots of opportunities in this world. We don't have to always go for the easy path. We don't have to go for that path of, oh, I'm just going to go and work on whatever social media for the rest of my life get yourself a skill get yourself you know i've done so many different training courses i've done health and safety i've done aircraft surface finishing i've done mechanics i've done delivery driving i've done loads of things because i want to experience life that is where it's important and they give you the ability to when you create these memories that gives you the ability to fight the dark days because you tap into them subconsciously you go, oh, fuck, I remember when I did this. I remember when I did that. 
You need those bolsters, those reminders that you do do good things. It's so easy in a world that's moving so fast to forget. I mean, we've got to those, how many times in in the 80s and 90s, and probably a lot earlier than that, but I'm only talking about me, 80s, 90s, we used to have to print photos out so you always you took care you were just like yes i'm gonna i got 32 photos i think well, i can't remember 32 36 24 it might be i don't know depending on the film you got um and you got them delivered and you'd always have one that was like completely bleached out because the shutter hadn't opened properly and it would gave you that sun glare because we were dealing with expensive at the time but cheap shit and you got but you got some good memories now, we're so used to social media, we're so used to mobile phones that we don't put them down to appreciate and live in the moment. We record things, thinks and we're going to go back. But because we've got so many photos because we do it digitally, I've got something like 3,000 photos on my phone. I can't fucking remember what half of them are because I don't look at them. I don't use it the way that it should be used. Stop doing that. Make the effort to see your friends. Make the effort to make the memories that stay in your brain and stay there for life that you can tap into when you need them. When you're reflecting because you're feeling shit and you tap into that little reward safe in your brain where you go, oh, I remember when I went to fucking see Tenacious D with my mate and, oh, that was absolutely fucking amazing. What a journey. Went down to London and I can talk about it. Went to the cinema, we had a, a meal. I, you know what I mean? There's a memory there, a physical memory that I can relive. Absolutely love it. And that was the first time, I was just trying to reflect then. I was actually in the moment, full on in the moment there. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of something called K-pop. <laughs> so it was absolutely, I didn't even know, I still don't know what K-pop is. But um, it's the first time I heard about it. Because I saw all these fucking kids dressed up as anime shit. I was like, what the fuck's that? And my mate was like, it's K-pop, mate. I was like, fucking what pop? Pop K, what? <laughs> K-pop. I thought that was a ketamine. That's what you used to do when you were looking at a festival, mate. Pop a K. <laughs> But it was like, like you say, you know, we make these memories. I, I prefer physical memories. I take memories, I take photos now and, and I print them off. I've got them all going to be printed off and I'm going to have a little memory wall. And um, I'll do that because that's printing them out. It's physically looking at them to make me smile. But I love the ability and I relish in the ability. I remember going back, I was in the fucking depths of my depression and I still reflect heavily on my mate organising an axe throwing day. Now, I was I hadn't done anything all Christmas. I was in a fucking horrendous place. And and I said to him, we had a bit of a two and eight because I had stayed away for months. We hadn't spoken for months, even though we lived down the road. And I hadn't really been engaging in work. I was in a horrible fucking place. I didn't want to be there. And this was years ago now. And uh, we had a bit of a, a bit of a funny two and eight over Christmas. We did see each other over Christmas and... He got a bit upset with me, actually, and he said, because I didn't organise anything, and he'd missed our times together, and I said, we fucking organised something. And do you know what he did? He went straight back, organised an axe-throwing day. I went wakeboarding and broke the ice, and um, we did some axe-throwing, uh, we did some knife-throwing, did some um, archery, and I still have that photo now. I have, I'm not even looking at the photo, and I'm not seeing the photo in a long time. Excuse me, but there's a photo of me holding an axe, with my arm around him, him holding an axe, and I've got this... Um, Big fluffy hat on with the ears down the side. Um, and it, I, I still remember that photo. I think I'm wearing brown boots. Um, and I still remember. It's still visually vivid from years ago. Like six, seven, about eight years ago I think it was. 
and it's still vivid because it's a physical memory that I can tap into. My brain is better than clouds. It gives me instant. It, it, it's recognisable to, to something I've held onto as a physical emotion. So stop thinking about the negatives and start creating those memories with the right people. It doesn't matter. Don't wait weeks to make things happen. Wait days. Make that conscious effort to physically get that memory going. It's the important aspect of this life is getting through on a memory, not a photo. I'll leave it on that. Thank you for listening. I look forward to talking to you again. And like I said, I hopefully I'll be getting in live with the Bilster this week. Again, if I can sort my bloody internet out. But, uh, but thanks for listening. Stay positive. Stay focused. Um, you've got this and we've got this together. Um, like I said, please share this podcast out around. Uh, help me beat the drums to the to the men out there to let them know that we've, we, 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 we've got support and uh, we're all in it together. So I'll speak to you soon. Take care.